The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, weekday mornings at 6am on London DAB Digital Radio and on demand via the Bloomberg Business app and BloombergRadio.com. It's a week that has fundamentally changed the country. We have both a new monarch and a new prime minister. King Charles will travel to Edinburgh today where he will be joined by the Queen Consort and the new Prime Minister Liz Truss in a service of prayer and reflection for Queen Elizabeth. But what new direction will the country go in? We're joined now by Sir David Liddington, a former Chancellor of Duchy of Lancaster and member of the Privy Council. David, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Let's start with this pivotal place that the UK is in. Of course, new monarch, new prime minister. What does that mean in terms of where we go from here on out of the UK's influence and power globally, given that, you know, the Queen, such such a big representative of British soft power in the world? Yes, and there's no doubt that the the, the respect um, in which the Queen was held globally uh, the length of time that she had been in office, the fact that she knew so many countries around the world, she visited more than 100, she she could talk to their leaders today about those leaders' predecessors, and about their country's history with real knowledge um, and understanding, was a massive asset. Now, King Charles obviously has not been in public life for as long as his mother, but he's actually uh, been travelling a great deal on behalf of the Queen in the last probably two decades, as, as her uh, age and, and, and sort of frailty gradually uh, limited her travel opportunities. And he also brings to the role of head of state um, a deep interest in reconciliation um, with, uh, between the UK and Ireland, between the communities in Northern Ireland. And he's also done a lot of work in the Western Balkans uh, and in uh, other countries in Central Europe, helping them to rebuild some some of the fractured, um, deeply damaged relationships between communities after the, the conflicts there in the late 20th century. What Can you tell us a little bit about what the Accession Council was like, this hugely momentous occasion, which, of course, most people in Britain haven't seen in their lifetime? What was it like being in the room for that? Oh, it, 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 was, it was an astonishing mixture of emotions. There was the sense that... You know, Nobody is now alive who had been a participant in the last accession council in 1952. But we were present, we were witnessing a very solemn constitutional moment, the the formal ritual to uh, affirm and proclaim the succession of the the new monarch and to wish him uh, success in in that uh, role. But... At the same time, you could tell that both the King and the Prince of Wales were men who were struggling with the grief that comes from 
bereavement of a, of a, a close and much-loved relative. You could see the, that etched onto their faces, coupled with an awareness on their part of the gravity of the new responsibilities that they were taking on. And standing with the other privy councillors there, what was going to do is lots of the people I knew right across mm. British politics, um, and from all parts of the UK, Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales, all represented there. Um, there was no party politics. You know, we, we were waiting. We had to wait about an hour before the ceremony started. You know, people were chatting to each other. Um, but on a basis of, you know, equality, we, we'd, all, we'd all been active in politics in the past, some currently, um, but we were there collectively to support and to salute the, the new sovereign. I think about the fact that this period of mourning is coming at already an extremely difficult time for the country. We've had the cost of living crisis perhaps worsening, considering you know we're we're looking at a situation where Russia is providing even less energy to the whole of Europe. It was a time when Liz Truss was just starting to announce her energy policy. What does it mean to have this period of pause, this period of, of, of almost paralysis at, at a moment where, where the country is in a moment of crisis? Well, I, I, I wouldn't describe it as paralysis, but certainly the public operations of government you know, uh, uh, have been paused, although behind the scenes there, there will be um, a lot of detailed work going on uh, anyway. Um, but, you know, I think uh, for Liz Truss, it, it is a something that she could never have expected in, in her first week as Prime Minister. The, I think that there, there will be further debate about the cost of living crisis, um, the, the energy package that she announced um, uh, shortly before Her Majesty's death um, was, I think, right. I think it was too late in the day to go for any sort of carefully calibrated or means-tested support scheme, a big bazooka uh, of help for everybody body, every family and every business was the right way forward, but there'll need to be you know, a lot of detailed questioning and discussion now. How is this going to be paid for? For how long can we afford to continue it? Does it need to be made more calibrated, tapered in the future? And then beyond that, there are some very big uh, strategic issues about the poor British performance in growth and competitiveness that's been there under Labour and Conservative governments alike for decades, which uh, Liz Truss, I think, will want to tackle through some long-term work on investment, on uh, skills, on the mm. educational disparities between Northern and Southern England, um, uh, and try to, I hope very much, try to reset the relationship between the United Kingdom and our democratic European neighbours, because as you said, at a time when Putin is uh, challenging the democratic world like we, we've never seen him do before. Mm. Um, it's important the democracies stand together. At, at that time, though, we are seeing the new prime minister facing criticism from some former senior civil servants about making big changes, uh, removing Tom Scholar from, as permanent secretary to the Treasury, um, moving also the national security advisor from the foreign, uh, out of his role as well. Is this the right time to be making changes like that? Well, clearly, the new prime minister decided that she she was impatient with the treasury's um, sort of historic caution in probably in funding infrastructure projects. I think she wanted a more Reaganite approach uh, to economic policy 
Um, I mean, I personally, I, I, I'm sorry that, uh, about the decision uh, as regards to Tom Scholar in particular, whom I worked very closely with when I was a minister in David Cameron's government. Um, was it a bad decision? And I respect very much. Yes, I do. I, I think it was, I mean, I just, I think, he's, I think he's a very effective, able official who, would, who will do his very best for whichever government and whichever minister is, is the people producer for, for him to serve. Um, and, and I also think it's not good for to the political masters to start moving professional civil servants around um, and you know, declare basically mm. they've sacked somebody um, when when okay. that's not how we should do it. Civil servants are meant to be impartial and it is impartial serves all governments. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe weekday mornings at 6am on London DAB Digital Radio and on demand via the Bloomberg Business app and BloombergRadio.com The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.